You're listening to the pre-snap podcast presented by LineStar. Insight and analysis from the minds of fantasy football experts. Fantasy football advice and strategy from two of the top minds in the game. It's time to lock it in and win. Here are your hosts, Michael Rathburn and Joe Pizzapia. Hey, yo, what's up, everybody? It's me, Joey P, Joe Pizzapia, and welcome to the first, the inaugural, the number one episode of Line Stars Pre-Snap Podcast. We are your DFS podcast. It's me, it's Michael Rathburn, and we are here to win you some money and play a little DFS and have some fun, too, because last time I checked, DFS fantasy sports is supposed to be fun, and that's what we want to do. This is the first episode of the show, and what we want to do today, because really we're still a week away from games, we're going to get into you know little introductions of myself and of Michael Rathburn. We're also going to talk a little bit about some of the changes that have gone on in DFS in the world of uh, DK, FanDuel, all that kind of stuff. We're going to talk about finding value in players, uh, talk about some of the guys, big names that have changed teams and how that's going to affect their DFS value, especially early on. Plus, there's some injuries to discuss with some guys as well. We're going to hit on those. We're going to hit on the new names you need to know and recognize for the season and how to value them appropriately. We got coaching changes. Basically, we're going to take an entire offseason, cram it into one hour, and make you smart. So, Michael Rathburn, how the hell are you? Are you as excited as I am to start the show? Uh, I am. I'm excited to start this podcast. I'm looking forward to it. Uh, certainly glad to have you on board as the driver of the school bus. And uh, that I way just there, got my license last week. It's very exciting. Yeah, that way there I can have my beverage on the side and not worry about it. But um, no, man, it's um, I'm looking forward to it. Uh, it's been a while since I've done a regular uh, you know, weekly podcast. So I'm definitely looking forward to it. And my mantra in the fantasy sports world has always been, I want to deliver something that somebody else is not doing. So uh, what you're definitely going to not see from us is today, we are not going to go over week one, uh, because in my opinion, that's pointless. I'm seeing a lot of people doing these week one podcasts in the middle of August, and it's completely pointless. Uh, I guess it's just clickbait or whatever, but... There's a million things that we can talk about that are going to help people win in the upcoming season. And it has well, and still so many things can happen, Michael. I mean, we're still in a point where injuries totally can happen. Agree. Cuts totally can agree. still happen, you know, and, and that's the whole point that, you know, to start doing week one right now, and we still got one more week of preseason games ahead of us. And even though those games are going to be crap and everyone's going to be, you know, sitting for the most part, you just never know. And we've seen it. God, who have we seen it the last couple of years where these injuries right up against the season happen and they just crush and change everything. And all of a sudden, you know, there's a lot more to talk about. And look, and it's not to say you can't talk about week one, but the idea is right now it's really good to set up what yeah, we are, think, who we are, I and how we're going to approach things. Guys, guys that are talking about line of construction in week one, I, I, I don't get it. Um, and so here's what you're not going to get. You're not going to get us running down – 15 games in a 45 minute podcast. There's no value in that. You're not going to get us recommending 10 or 15 players at every position in a 60 minute podcast. There's no value in that. What you are going to get is you're going to get dialogue and discussion about the slate as a whole, how to play it, the salaries in terms of how you can go about constructing rosters, where to pay up, where to pay down, game theory, the Vegas analysis, and you will probably get one or two picks 
at each position. And when I say that, I don't mean one running back. I mean, if you got two running back slots, we'll probably give you three or four running backs. You got three wide receiver slots. We're probably going to give you five wide receivers, but by no means are we going to give you 40% of the quarterback pool and then take credit when we are right. So we're going to be narrow focused, laser sharp, and we're going to have a lot of context and dialogue about why we like the players. And I'm going to be inundating you with data behind the decisions that uh, that we talk about. So that's setting up the table. That's setting up the plate, so to speak, and what you you can expect from us each and every week during the season for DFS. And you're not going to hear, I like this guy. Like that. that is, uh, it's just the worst lazy analysis of stuff. I really like. You will never get zero context from me. I will no, and, and nor I either. Yeah. You know, we're going to be those guys who go out there because – you know, to me, there's nothing worse. I mean, yeah, I like Tom Brady this week. Well, no crap. You like Tom Brady this week because he's a great quarterback. I mean, it's just, it doesn't make any sense. It's, you got to give more. You have to understand it. And I'm very excited to do this with you because I like the idea that in, you know, about 60 minutes or so, we're going to give you everything you need to know. And it's going to be applicable, you know, because applicability is what everybody wants. Nobody has a lot of time. Nobody has two hours to go through everything. You listen to the show. We're going to be able to nail these things for you. Yeah. give you the good reasonings behind them and not waste your time with stuff that even though it might be uh, worth discussion, it might not be worth playing. And I think that's the thing. Sometimes right. you have to differentiate. Also, we are not going to just recommend all the quote unquote chalk and expensive players because you can't make a lineup that way. So what you're probably going to get is you'll get three quarterbacks probably, uh, you know, in a given week, It'll be like a, a high tier, mid tier, low tier. And I will give you context about how to play each one of those. That way there, you can take the recommendations, write them down, create your own cheat sheet, and then build a lineup based off the recommendations that we give you. Again, we are not going to give you 40% of the player pool. We will give you on average three to five per position, depending on if it's you know quarterback, receiver, et cetera. Uh, if it's only one position, quarterback, tight end, defense, you'll get three, uh, maybe two at the most, you know, two or three. Running back, you're probably looking at three to five, receiver anywhere from four to six at different price points so that you can build lineups based on the recommendations we give you. One of the biggest mistakes that people make in giving content is they give they give out their picks, and when you go to try to build a lineup with the person's picks, you can't do it. Um, it's very easy to recommend expensive players. However, you can't build a lineup with expensive players. You can possibly do it week one, and that's a whole different animal that we'll talk about. But you don't want to do that anyway because then those are all the players that everyone's going to be on. So. Well, and look, and sometimes the chalk is right, and sometimes you know you, you see that. Yep. And I think the the <laughs> the understanding that you can't fear the chalk either. Sometimes right. Antonio Brown is the right answer this week, and Absolutely. he's going to go off, and he's going to yep. return investment, and that's going to be the same for a lot of guys, whether it be cash game or tournament lineups. But I think what you're getting at, and and that's why I'm excited to do this with you is. It's not enough to just say that you have to be able to back it up with, right. well, where's the value? Where are you finding those other guys? That you can right. make the lineup with those two guys work in it. Because yeah. if you just pull people out there and you say, okay, do this, this, and this, and then they get out there, you try to make the lineup. You can't physically do it. Now right. for those of, you know, those who are new to you and myself, let's, let's give everybody a little quick Michael Rathburn bio, a little bit of background, how you got into this, you know, from the fantasy world to the DFS world and whatnot, Michael. Sure. Started doing fantasy sports, uh, 93, I believe it was, uh, fantasy football started doing baseball in 95. 
and uh, eventually ended up starting doing content in 2009 or 2008 on my own, and which led me to Roto Experts, and which led me to eventually working in the industry in the DFS space when that first exploded around 2010, 2011. Uh, worked behind the scenes for DFS operators, uh, marketing, consulting, everything you name it. Uh, I did it in the industry uh, for about three years. Uh, transitioned back into the real world, got a real job, and uh, then just went back into the content game, mostly with Rotowire, uh, which you and I have a <clears throat> affiliation with. And uh, now I'm here with LineStar, and uh, it's a great product. And we're going to be talking about their product as we as we go along. But you know, in this day and age where mobile is king, they without a doubt have the best mobile product in the business in the industry. It's user friendly, it's easy to use, and we're going to talk about that as we go along each week. I agree 100. percent And uh, for those of you unfamiliar with me. I'm Joe Pizzapia. I'm the author of the number one best-selling fantasy black book series for baseball and football. Uh, the latest fantasy football black book was not only number one again in fantasy sports uh, for the 12th straight time, but also number one in football books. So take that, Nick Foles and Tom Brady. That's right. No TB12 needed here. It's all about the black book. I've also been a host at Sirius XM Radio. I was one of the uh, head writers at FanDuel when they still had content, and I was also the host of the FanDuel show as well as uh, the Rotowire DFS podcast the last few years. So I'm excited to be here. Uh, you and I have worked together in the past for many, many years uh, on the radio, doing spots, talking football, talking baseball, talking everything. And uh, this is going to be great. I'm, I'm stoked for this. I'm excited to get going. So what we're going to do is we're going to hit a quick break. And when Michael and I come back, we're going to first talk about some of the changes that you need to be aware of because every year, you know, look, there's some people that just play NFL and they take some time off. And then they come back and they go, oh, wait a minute, things are different. So before you, you know, go in there in week one and start to peck around and realize what's not the same as it was before when you left, well, we're going to get you up to speed on that. You're listening to pre-snap right here on Line Star. We'll be right back right after this. The pre-snap podcast is brought to you by LineStar. Transparent projections, simplified research, advanced signals, and top-rated apps. Dominate DFS. Download for free at LineStarApp.com. All right, everybody. Welcome back to pre-snap. Joe Pizzapia, Michael Rathburn with you. And it's time to talk about the ch-ch-changes, baby, that have been going on. Now, obviously, for a lot of people who, like I said, just are stick to NFL. They're NFL centric. And I don't blame them to me. NFL. I know people will say NBA is the most rote, the most predictable, but I hate all the last minute lineup change stuff. It just drives me crazy. The injuries and nonsense. I love NFL personally. It's my favorite of all the DFS is for sure. So let's start with some of the changes and things that have gone on, uh, Michael in the past, uh, in the, over the summer and spring that we should look for going into play this year. Yeah, the biggest is uh, FanDuel eliminating kickers, which is something that everybody's been screaming for for years, and they finally went ahead and did it. Uh, so no more kickers on FanDuel. And hooray. Can I just say hooray for that? Because kickers are stupid. I mean, they, I just I can't are, do it. They, I will tell you, though, there was an edge if you knew how to play it. If and, you did, but, I mean, it's even yeah. even then it's it's so yeah. hit and miss. And, and there's nothing worse than those. You know, you get to turn around some, you know, terrible kicker all of a sudden got 15 points like well, how the hell did that happen and just you know screws your lineup i just the yeah. worst i'm ha i'm happier 
are you happy about it or are you like, man, I kind of miss that advantage? um, It's one of those things where, I mean, certainly the change had to be made to be competitive, but um, like I said, there was an edge to it and it was kind of fun every week knowing that um, I had a kicker strategy that had proven to work year over year and I was able to leverage that. So that's gone. But uh, at the end of the day, I'm certainly glad that kickers are gone. We've added a flex. Um, But I think what people need to know is that the salary cap. Now, if you look at kicker salaries, you're going from a kicker position to a flex position. Kicker salaries on FanDuel typically would range from $4,000 to $5,400. Very rarely would you get it at four. Usually it was around you know, 42, 4,300, and you're probably going to pay 4,500 for an okay kicker. Um, and then top of the line is your Tuckers, your Gotkowskis, your Zerlines, you know, over five. So now you're going to replace that slot with a flex. Well, the average offensive positional player range is not 4,000 to 5,400. You know, that average flex spot is going to be more money. And so, we need to understand the landscape of how FanDuel has now changed and and what that means. So typically defenses would range anywhere from, you know, similar to kicker anywhere from 4,000 to 5,400 or whatever. Uh, Now defenses actually have a $3,000 floor. So that's, that's something where they've reduced the uh, salary on the pricing on defenses. So that's to help soften up the the player pool a little bit to get the flex position in. Now, what I did is I went and I looked at what the average salaries were by position last year and, and did it not as a whole, but sort of um, in some cases I did it as a whole, but in some cases I did it like top 24, top 36, trying to get an understanding of where FanDuel may have um, adjusted their pricing. So what it appears to be, is it appears that they've certainly adjusted the pricing on quarterbacks and the average salary for quarterbacks in 2017 was around $7,500. It's, it's as of week one, it's 6,300. So that's a significant uh, softening there as far as like it definitely, if you go in and look at individual players, you can certainly see where an average player salary previously you know last year was 500 800 dollars more than it is their week one so what they've done is they've softened those quarterbacks up and uh that makes sense well Um, and and just curious when you're talking about softening up the quarterback position which can be a very high scoring position obviously we all know what's your hot take or reaction on that as soon as you see that is it all of a sudden then i guess there's two questions number one how do you feel about the quarterback board or going up higher than you normally would at the position and number two how do you think the rest of people are going to react to that change well if you think about it DraftKings pretty much did that when they started the millionaire maker they started depressing uh quarterback salaries that was the number one thing they did and the way that the salaries are structured on DraftKings is the players at the top are very expensive and then then everybody else outside the top tiers it's it's depressed so especially for wide receivers their wide the elite wide receivers are priced up and then the mid-tier and the low-tier are priced down. So um, there's a lot of math involved in what they do. And ultimately, what they're hoping for is they're hoping for as much lineup diversification as possible because that means more lineups are being generated. 
there's less duplication, there's more entries, et cetera. So it's, it's, this, it's the DFS site's benefit to work the salaries so that there's more entries in play. So when you right. when you can create more lineups you like, obviously Absolutely. that's that's what you like. When people right. get stuck and they go, I can't fit this guy, I can't fit this guy, screw it. I'm this is yep. my lineup or this is my this is my B C D lineup, but that's it, as opposed to people who want to do E F G and H, you know? So what happens with quarterbacks is unlike any other position, is there there's a flattening of production as you as you move along. So by softening the salaries, what they basically said is um, we want to see more lineups with more quarterbacks, which means more lineups with more different stacks. So if you've got a bunch of quarterbacks in the six thousand to seven thousand dollar range, that means more people that be people are gonna the guys at multi entry are gonna want to have more exposure to those quarterbacks and then more exposure to stacks. And so that's gonna mean more entries. So that's really what's driving it. Of course, they have to soften the salaries to accommodate for the flex. But if you look at running backs, receivers, tight ends, the average salaries for those, as far as last year versus this year is pretty much the same. It's with the quarterbacks and with the defenses is where things have been softened up. And it makes sense because you've got 32 starting quarterbacks, 32 starting defenses, and only one starting position. And that again is where you're going to get more lineup diversification. You're already going to get it with two running backs, three wide receivers, a tight end and, and flexes. You're already going to get skill position diversification on those. So this is definitely going to shake up the quarterback pool and the defense pool. It's going to make guys take chances on $3,000 defenses so that they can fit in uh, a stud at the, a stud at the flex, you know, things like that. So that's my take on the landscape of FanDuel and what they've done to make changes and how you want to approach it. And now week one, we all know prices have been set obviously way ahead of time. So in terms of your approach, and I don't know like I get individual players yet, but when we're talking about going in early, I'm, I'm of the same mind as you that it's probably something to be aware of as some of the ownership of some of these guys are going to be through the roof. Yep. And is that something people should be concerned of right away in week one? Because there's going to be some guys that are, you know, the the number two wide receiver on a team, like I'll take it for instance, Jacksonville, right? You know, all of a sudden you get that Marquise Lee injury. And if somebody else of Cole's now thrust into that position, there's going to be a lot of people say, oh, this is a, a nice, you know, cheap wide receiver is going to help me go up to the board and get some of those high brow wide receiver running back guys. So uh, are you somebody who typically fades that kind of concept? Are you somebody who, is not afraid of it as long as it continues to fit and look good to you in terms of matchup. Uh, I'll fade cash games week one because the the lineup uh, duplication is going to be it's so great, right? Yeah, so it doesn't make sense to really play a ton of cash games week one. Um, it's getting to the point in NFL where cash games and tournaments, the cash lines are are just becoming so much more closer that NFL is becoming a GPP landscape. And if you talk to high volume players, they're going to tell you the same thing. It doesn't mean that they've completely faded cash games, but they have adjusted their portfolio so that it's not like 90, 10 or 80, 20 cash. It might be 50, 50 or 60, 40 or, you know, something along that line. So that's kind of, that's kind of the way you want to play it. Um, it's, it definitely, you know, when you're going to start seeing 70%, 80% owned, when you start, like one of the things that I would not do is play the alternative slates. 
do not play a four, five, six game slate because, like I said, the lineup, the the duplication is going to be insane. Right. Uh, try to go with that Sunday main slate and get all of the games in as much as possible, and and play some tournaments and don't go crazy with your bankroll. Understand that the pricing is put out there for a reason. Uh, it's to get people on the site so that the games are active. Uh, if there were no salaries, there would be no traffic and you know, that that's not good. So they want <laughs> eyeballs on the site, August 1st. Oh, they sure. Have to, they have to put the salaries out. Basically so, what you're saying, Raph, is it's a tease. It's a little bit of a tease and, uh, you know, don't necessarily fall into the trap. Yeah. And the thing is, is it's an easy trap because everybody's excited to play week one. Everybody's right. been jonesed up for nine months. Uh, and then there's more action week one than any other week. So it's really, really easy to get sucked in, but I will tell you, um, to me, it doesn't, you know, I tread lightly week one because again, these salaries are, I mean, I don't think there's anything, I can't think of anything that's gross right now. I mean, we don't have a Kareem hunt situation like we did last year. Right. Of course. But not yet, but which was pretty good week one, which, you know, a lot of people were on that. And, uh, if you had that against the Pats last year, week one, it was uh, not a bad showing. Let's put it that way. Yeah. So, you know, I went back and I looked at some of the salaries week one and yeah, there were some gross um, instances of ownership and things like that. But uh, I don't think it's going to be as bad this year, at least not initially. Uh, But, you know, look, if we get um, once we get more clarity on some running back positions and maybe some wide receiver two depth chart updates, you know, certainly that could open up and two or three players could end up being 60% owned. And, in that case, if it's a running back, I think it just depends on the matchup. Mm-hmm. If it's a wide receiver, it's probably a fade. All right. Well, look, this is the appetizer. All right. So that's a little bit. We're going to hit a break. We come back. We're going to give you the meat and potatoes of the episode. Okay. We're going to talk about some of the players on new teams, different coaches, different OCs, how that's going to impact your DFS game. You're listening to pre-snap right here on Line Star. Joe and Raph will be right back right after this. The pre-snap podcast is brought to you by TrackWiz. Horse racing picks made easy. Whether you're new to horse racing or a pro, download TrackWiz now at trackwiz.com and start placing bets with a whole new level of confidence. Use promo code PRESNAP to get your first seven days completely free without a credit card. All right, and away we go here. Joe Pizapia, Michael Rathburn, and let's talk a little bit about finding value, which, I mean, like, I, you know, that's such a cliche and things like that. And, you know, salaries being generated off last year's performance to a certain extent. And, you know, we know that sometimes there's a weak lag. You know, it depends on how these things happen. Sometimes it takes the algorithm a little time to catch up to the performance of the player. How do you exploit that and utilize that, Rath, when you're, when you're going, you know, this is more... You know, as much as it's a week one conversation, I think it's even uh, more of a here we go down the road conversation of how apt you are to play the hot hand, basically. Sure. So one of the things that <clears throat> by working in the industry and being somebody that had a hand in creating salaries is, uh, you know, you come up with some terms and some, you know, just some things that you, you discuss. And, and basically the term that I that we would use is baseline salary. So whenever the season starts, that's what the player's baseline salary is. So as the season goes along and you get data, the data then calculates with the algorithm and it takes a percentage 
of that performance. So every, you got to understand that the way the salaries are created moving forward is the baseline salary represents a percentage of the salary moving forward. And then, so the performance for week one, it, it's, it's like week one performance does not equal week two salary. Right. It's, it's baseline plus week one. And then, and then matchup. Right. Exactly. Well, I don't know how much matchup is really in play. Uh, I don't really know if they really look at, I think DraftKings will tweak it a little bit. Yeah. I see. I think DK tweaks the matchup. Cause I, I mean, yeah. I saw that last year sometimes where there were guys going up against, like, we you know, when people go up against Jacksonville defense or something, okay. you'd see some suppression in there where you go, wow, right. you know, almost, almost to the point of yeah, temptation. Maybe, like on the quarterback, they might drop them 500 bucks. Right. Or you, right. Or vice versa too. You see, yeah. you know, a big time QB against a, a terrible secondary, you know, like it uh, comes to mind, like the Patriots against Oakland last year, right. You know, and I remember that and I was like all over that, like, I'm fine. I'll pay for, Brady and cash games this week because that secondary is dreadful. And sure enough, you know, cooks and Gronk, everybody just tore them a new one. Right. Right. You know, you got, you got a little bit of percentage of matchup. You got a percentage of week one performance, and then you've got the baseline. Understand that the baseline is still going to represent a big portion of that salary algorithm calculation, usually until four weeks into the season. So, for the people, you know, I, I made comments before and I would say, uh, you know, talk about week one salaries and, th- you know, people would say, oh, it's not going to matter because week two, everything's going to change. It's going to change, but it's not going to go. It's not going to go from a guy being 5,000 to a guy being 8,000. Might be a guy going from 5,000 to 5,500 or 5,000 to 6,000, but you're not going to see a gross increase in salary from one week to another. So do you understand there is value in understanding the player's baseline salary. And so just understand that those salaries are calculated based on 2017 performance. So the things that we're going to talk about is everything that's really changed moving forward off of 2017 and things that you need to take into consideration uh, when looking at players for DFS. All right, let's talk about, speaking of changes, let's talk about some guys who are on new teams. Let's start with Jarek McKinnon, obviously dealing with an injury issue here in camp. And I know everybody's super excited. Well, I won't say everybody, but they're a good portion of the fantasy community is very excited about this. They're excited about him being with Shanahan and this offense. And I understand. And I was one of these people last year and, you know, season long telling everyone go to the waiver wire and pick up McKinnon. And I use McKinnon in DFS uh, at times, you know, very specific times that, you know, I thought it was a good play. And I have my expectations for him are a little tempered. They're not quite as high as everybody else. Am I on an Island by myself or after you with me that you think McKinnon is good, but not necessarily uh, as good as maybe some of the hype going around him right now. And that potential of how good he could be in that offense. Yeah. Well, he's currently priced on FanDuel. We're just going to reference one site. I'm not going to reference two sites. It's too much. That's right. It's too much. No, no, please, please, everybody. Don't put so much on Michael. We're certainly, when we get into the season and we talk plays, we're certainly going to reference. Well, it's just, it's just for an example right now. We're using this as an example. He's number 12. He's number 12. He's 7,200. There's a handful of guys. I mean. And that's perfectly, I think that's a perfectly fair week one sort of a pricing idea that's that any anybody i i call that the mark ingram market where mark ingram was like is like mr 7200 for a long time <laughs> like i always felt like in the past he's that guy who was right around that 7k mark i know last year he had a big year but still he's kind of that guy and i feel like that's about appropriate but i feel like there when it comes down to that number there's guys usually around there that i like the matchup better necessarily than 
the talent of Jarek McKinnon. So let me let me give you something here. Oh, give it to me, baby. Let's do it. Was Jarek McKinnon ever priced at seventy two hundred dollars last year? <laughs> I'm gonna say I'm gonna say once. His max was seven thousand. Oh God! All right. Well, there you go. So, but I, I guess so. If if the max was seven k last year, and now you're up to two hundred, I guess so. You're only paying a two hundred dollar premium now on the theoretical man there. But I still have a hard time believing that he's a guy that can carry that kind of load. And I know that's something that in season long you think about, but in the DFS world too, you have to keep in mind too the guys who take a pounding. Sometimes that means they're coming out of games if they can't handle that kind of pounding. I mean, Todd Gurley's a very unique kind of player. And I think that's something just to be aware about. Let's talk about Jarvis Landry. I want to get to all these guys on the list because, you know, I think they're all very worthy of discussion and, and at least provocative enough. I do like Landry. I think Landry's being on the opposite end. I think undervalued because he's in Cleveland. And meanwhile, I look at the quarterback play he's had in the last three years, and I'm saying to myself, well, it's not any worse than what he's going to have in Cleveland. And, and yeah, it's a different offense. But still, I mean, Landry's terrific in terms of volume. And I would expect him to be a very integral part of this offense in Cleveland. Do you feel the same way about him as I do? He's a tough guy to generate. He's a tough guy to um, evaluate. Your pause and your sighing doesn't give me that. I don't feel like you're here with me. I feel like you're kind of in between here on Landry. There's a handful handful of guys that just have it. I don't have a good feel for, and he's one of them. Okay. And so when we look at, uh, you know, I, I'll pull up where he's priced, but you know, I think the only thing that we really know is that he was peppered with targets in Miami, and that if Cleveland's not going to be throwing the ball as much, it's you know, here's what I will say, and I know we're trying not not to really go week one. Well, okay, well, let's not let's not even do that. Let me just, let me put a theoretical and let's save that discussion. Let's put a pug in that. Well, let's say um, it's a it's a good cornerback matchup for him Landry for you a guy that interests you yeah um, okay well that, I think that's yeah, all it I'm, needs. Okay. I'm okay with him more in DFS I th- I'm not really on him in season long but in DFS because of where he's being priced uh I'm okay rolling him out there because you're you're going to need guys in that six to seven thousand dollar range on FanDuel and he's in that range and I, I like him so I- I'm fine with him all right, well, let's stick to the offense and let's stick, stick with the Browns since we're there. Let's stick with Carlos Hyde and talk about him too. Now, Hyde's another guy where I still feel like, you know, I still feel like Mayfield's going to get that job sooner than later. And I think they're going to want to put the veteran back there with him. And I think Hyde, as long as he can stay healthy, might be one of those kind of sneaky flex guys and things like that in terms of volume and potential. I don't think it's going to be a high flying offense, high scoring offense, but I do think that Hyde is a guy that's going to have some moments of targeting and not somebody you're going to love to have, but a guy that might help you build the lineup. Do you feel the same way about high? Definitely. Especially with the, with the advent of the flex. Now he's a perfect guy. You're going to be able to slide into the flex. I mean, he's not, he's priced 28th uh, at running back right now. Now, of course, remove Darius guy. So you put him up 27, uh, but still that's outside of running back two. He falls into a flex uh, salary tier but with upside of a, of a low end RB one high end RB two. So for sure, as long as look, Cleveland's defense is not that bad. If they can stay competitive in this certain spots where Cleveland's going to be, if they're at home, if they're not a massive underdog, 
you know, uh, I, I'm going to like Hyde uh, in, in these spots. Uh, when he's on the field and he's healthy, he's been productive in his, in his, in his career. So he's super cheap right now. And, uh, you know, as far as his baseline salary goes, I think you're going to be able to take advantage of that for at least the first month. All right, let's talk about Allen Robinson. Let's bring up him, a guy that we all know has wide receiver one potential, new offense, new quarterback. I'm one of these guys I think Robinson's going to be better as that whole offense might be in time. This is more of, I think the Bears are more of a second half team for me as everything starts to gel and everyone gets a feel for each other personally. Uh, do you think he can be more relevant earlier? No, I'm with you. I think that it looks like this offense is going to want to spread the wealth. and so from that perspective, uh, I'm going to play more of a wait and see approach and, you know, just, just to get a feel for where exactly, um, you know, he's going to be. So right. that's fair enough. I, yeah. I mean, I, I think that just makes sense. I think from a logistics standpoint, it's just a, a safer way to approach him. And, you know, it's, and this is what's great about DFS. If you like Allen Robinson, but you don't want to make an investment in him in season long leagues because you have this concern, well, when you start to get better matchups, when we start rolling into November, that might be more favorable and the offense starts to gel a little bit because I do like Nagy. I think he's a terrific offensive mind. I'm very excited for him to be with Trubisky. I think that's where Robinson, uh, again, you pick your spots. Um, let's talk about Deion Lewis, too. Um, we'll, we'll head out on Deion Lewis and win one more. And then Deion is, for me, a guy who's, when you're part of the Patriot system and the number of plays they run and everything that happens there, uh, I understood the Dion Lewis love, especially in DFS. I'm not there in Tennessee. And the reason why is I have a long track record as a Patriots fan myself of seeing guys leave the Patriots and do nothing. And I think as, as fun as Dion Lewis is, and it's you know, a fun story and everybody likes him and all that, this idea that he could just go and be Dion Lewis, that he wasn't a Patriots on another team. I'm just not buying Raph. Well, he's certainly more advantage in PPR because of just the, his role, but I'm not necessarily sold on Derrick Henry. So you certainly, you know, Lewis is priced at 6,200 on FanDuel. He's number 23, takeout guys, he's 22. Um, that's not bad. And I think, again, more, more, more wait and see. I think th that's one of the reasons why I wanted to talk about this, because some guys, it's fire them up. Some guys, it's, boy, I want to wait and see. And so, you know, Lewis's salary range last year, 4,700 min, 7,200 max. He's at 6,200. So he's sort of in the middle. Um, I think we got to see usage first. I'm not opposed to using him in a flex because of the, you know, I'm certainly going to want to lean towards pass, pass catching running backs in the flex. So he's definitely going to be in play for me. But as far as like huge exposure to him in DFS, I just want to see how this offense moves. You know, it's one of those things where if you're really, really bad, like the bears almost, you know, they brought in all this new personnel. And so right. it's really hard for them to be any worse than what they were under John Fox. So, <laughs> oh, that's for sure. <laughs> so with Tennessee, Tennessee, it's a little bit different in that we, we have had expectations. There's talent already in house. They did go out and bring in Lewis. You have to assume that they, they're going to use him. But your point is well taken in that New England knew how to use him to his 100th percentile. Well, and they're also using him in a system where you've got arguably the best quarterback ever 
right there and right. having to account for him picking apart defenses and the little guy running out in the flat and catching balls and screens is really hard to defend when you're trying to defend everything else on that field from a guy with the vision of Tom Brady. Uh, let's talk yeah. about Jimmy Graham, another big guy who uh, will look in terms of name value. He's got it in terms of touchdown ability. He's got it. My problem with Jimmy Graham is always the injuries and the nagging injuries and all those issues. But again, this is daily. So it's a different animal. Do you like the Jimmy Graham move to green Bay in terms of, tight end value or is he going to be one of these guys who consistently floats in that one a tier that you're either rather pay for the top guy or go down to the bottom to the value guys yeah the thing the thing about graham is you got to expect he's going to be heavily owned this year because of his situation with rogers and green bay and, and touchdowns drive t- the tight end position is really tough because it's it's gronk kelsey i, I wouldn't i would pay gronk is in his own tier i would put kelsey and Ertz in tier two and then you've got five or six guys in tier three. And I think Graham is in that third tier. And so he's probably going to be one of the most popular guys in that third tier because of the tough, the multiple touchdown upside that he possesses. And so his ownership is going to be high every week because of the name and his positions. So uh, certainly a guy that I'm definitely going to want to use, but just be aware there's a tax on Jimmy Graham. Uh, and his ownership is always going to be really high. I think that's come down from the government. I think they've put that tax down on him. All right, before we get out of the new guys on new, uh, excuse me, old guys on new teams, really, you got Kirk Cousins, Case Keenum, Alex Smith. Uh, I'm excited about Cousins with Minnesota. I'm not buying the narrative. Well, the defense is so good that he's never going to throw, you know, big games again. Like that's crazy. He's there with a chip on his shoulder after being franchised a million times. I think he's going to be great. Uh, Keenum, Alex Smith, anybody there for you? Uh, that you think maybe there's some weeks where you might get into that business of Keenum or an Alex Smith? Keenum, for sure. Uh, I like, uh, and more of the receivers. I think that Thomas and Sanders are going to present huge value early on in the season. I think Denver stacks are going to be good depending on matchup, of course, but the, you know, those salaries are going to be depressed based on 2017 results. So I can certainly see where the Denver stacks are going to be advantageous early on in the season. Uh, Viking stacks as well. Uh, cousins dig stealing. I can certainly, you know, see people rolling those out and, and being very popular. So, uh, you know, I think both guys are, are in good spots, but I think there's going to be huge value on the uh, Broncos. All right. There's going to be some guys too, who are uh, going to have some more potential this year. No Trey Burton, somebody certainly on a lot of people's minds. Uh, I think Burton's a terrific route runner. He's got good hands. He showed some flashes in Philadelphia of, him certainly having the talent to be a tight end one. I'm cautiously optimistic about Burton. And I was high on him going in the offseason. I want him to go to Chicago. Chicago's where he went to. And for me, even though I think Trubisky, like I said, with the Bears will be a work in progress, I think the one guy who I think right away, besides Howard, can be useful is Burton because I feel like that, that rookie quarterback or the young quarterback checking down, finding the security blanket of the tight end is always been a thing in the NFL. We've seen it time and time again. And can Trey Burton be that next one, Raph? Yeah, I, I think Burton. Um, <clears throat> I think Burton, from a talent perspective, like he got paid a ton of money. He looked good on Philadelphia, but I think he is being overrated. But he's in a really good situation. And if Adam Shaheen is injured and is out, then we know that we don't have to worry about Trey Burton. You know, is, is, is splitting time or or snaps or target shares or anything like that. So. Uh, early on, Burton could be a guy that, that is certainly going to be worthwhile playing in DFS. Is somebody I stayed away from in season long because I felt like he was going too high. But again, on a weekly basis, it could it could pay off in that 
there's not a lot of value tight ends and he could be one of them that you're going to want to plug in. So uh, I think he's more of an a, a attractive play in DFS to me. Now, a guy that a lot of people are chatting about is Kenny Stills, who I recommended a couple weeks uh, and the, the weeks that I did, and I had him in my lineup as well. And a lot of them, uh, Kenny Stills uh, made some money and uh, you know, it's, it's great because Kenny Stills has that ability. Now there's potential with Parker's injury of him being thrust into a different role. Can Kenny Stills handle that role? And I guess part B of that question, Raph, is can the Dolphins offense do enough to make him interesting in that role? Yeah, I'm, the Dolphins are a tough team. Um, from a Vegas perspective, they're not really highly respected. They're bottom five. But that division is the Patriots and then three really bad teams. And I have to think that one of these teams is going to get seven, eight wins. And if I would put my money on one of them, it's going to be the Dolphins. So if the Dolphins, they get Tannehill back, they got a decent running game. They drafted Balage, they signed Gore, they still got Drake in play. And, you know, look, Devontae Parker has been a name that everybody's fallen in love with, but there's been zero production. Kenny Stills has produced when given the opportunity. They went out and they got Albert Wilson. Seems like he's going to be a guy, but there's also another guy in play there, and that's Danny Amendola. Danny Amendola could be a very interesting DFS guy early on because he's going to be super cheap. He's going to get if, – if he racks up six, seven, eight receptions every week. Well, and, he might be the Jarvis Landry filler in that role. Obviously not the same half talent. You know, at two-thirds of the salary, and, right. and so you're going to be able to capitalize on it early on. So I think, I think Tannehill, Stills, Amendola – I think that could be a very interesting stack early on if the if the matchup's right because it's going to be extremely cheap and under owned. All right, let's talk about some of the guys who are returning from injury, and I want to start with Andrew Luck because uh, I'm not there. I'm not there. Uh, the guy's barely thrown a football in over a year, and now he's finally back ramping up. And I understand a lot of people want to get back in the Andrew Luck business, and subsequently how it's going to affect the entire offense. So I'll put it to you, Rap. I, I don't see me owning. I almost. I don't think I have any Colts except some Jack Doyle shares here and there. I just don't feel like any Colt investment for a long time is going to be worth it for me. And I understand like sometimes you want to be ahead of the curve, not behind it, but man, I just don't see that happening. I think that offensive line is still trash and I have a hard time being convinced otherwise. Can you convince me? I'm on that island with you. Yay! Uh, We've got snacks. It's going to be amazing, Raph. Yeah, I've taken some heat for it, but I'll stand behind it. But um, how are you taking heat for that? I don't understand. The The mindset is so simple to understand of this is such a serious injury. And even if he does play better, or even if he is healthy, how healthy can he stay behind that line with no running game? And somebody brought this point up to me, and I forget who it was. If the Colts defense is the worst defense in the NFL – that means that he's going to have to drop back and pass 40 or 50 times a game. And it's funny because, so here's the thing. So there's guys out there saying that's why they love Andrew Luck because he's going to throw 40 and 50 times a game. Well, here's the problem. Yeah, he's he's going to be on his back 35 of them. How many weeks is he going to last? Right. So, well, and that's, going- that's less of a, it's less of an issue in DFS, except, except for the time you have him in your lineup and he gets knocked out of a game and it right. crushes every lineup you have him in. And this is what I keep saying. People say, well, it doesn't matter because it's DFS. Well, it does matter because this it, kind of scenario is exactly the kind that ruins your week. It also matters because ownership matters. Ownership counts. So ownership doesn't count in 
season long because every player is owned by one team and that's it. So in I've yeah, tried very hard to own Le'Veon Bell twice in a league. It didn't work. Right. Out. So, <laughs> <laughs> so, but if you've got Andrew Locke as the number one owned quarterback week one and he gets hurt, it matters. So if you know, 20% of the field is going to be on Andrew Locke because they want to be right. And they want to say, I told you so. I feel like that's what a lot of this is. I think that there's a huge, I know this is off on a tangent a little bit, but it does play in the DFS. It feels like Twitter fantasy football is so much driven by everybody's individual narratives of wanting to be right and say, oh, sure. I well, there's also a sheep mentality too. If right. one or two people are on it who are bigger in the industry, right. then the, the herd follows the shepherd there. Right. And I, I'm, you know, with my work in the black book, I always try to keep people independent thinking and, you know, relative position value, which is my theory, which is understanding how much better a player is than his peers at that position at say RB one, not RB, but RB one. And, and that's when you start to break down and you see that value is dictated by format. And in this scenario, when we play DFS, it's dictated by format and budget and pricing it's 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 just whether or not things are a good investment and i look at it as a bad investment there is there are two guys wide receiver wise i think are going to be good investments one is pierre garçon everybody loved last year when san francisco quarterback position was up in the air and now it seems like nobody wants to talk about him and the other one is mike williams who i think without a real tight end there to speak of in san diego there's a guy with real red zone potential that's had a great camp that could really grow as time goes on and i want to talk about being ahead of the curve on mike williams and i want to talk about Pierre Garçon being one of these guys that's kind of the opposite, not being discussed enough. So take me through Garçon and Williams, Rath. So from a season-long perspective, I own a lot of Garçon. <laughs> All uh, right. And so look, it can be look. There's there's two flags that people are putting in in the in the stand. Uh, they're they're going on the Goodwin flag or they're going on the Garçon. Goodwin because he did it last year and he's younger. Garçon. He was by himself. Right. Exactly. So that's why I'm leaning towards. He runs him. one route. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, I'm I'm more on the Garcon camp. I'm with you. You and uh, me both, man. So uh, you know, certainly again, priced in that six thousand dollar range, certainly going to be attractive when the matchup is right, and a guy a guy that you're going to want to have. Mike Williams. Look, a lot of this is for me <clears throat> is uh, pedigree. Is that he barely got on the field last year because of injury. There's now an opportunity open in that there's no tight end. And, you know, I'm going to put more faith in the guy that was picked 10th in the draft first round a year ago that came from a big time school that produced at a, at a high level uh, over the time that he was at Clemson. And don't get me wrong. I like Tyrell Williams. I've owned him in dynasty, but Tyrell Williams pedigree is not Mike Williams pedigree. Absolutely not. I agree a hundred percent. I'm going to lean on historical data that Mm. tells me that that means more than anything. And so these were two names last year going into drafts and going into the season, just period that people were like, Hey, Mike Williams, Hey, Pierre Garcon, these are good situations. These are, these are guys, you know, could really make fantasy impacts. And then it's funny, you know, an injury here and there, and now they become like second class citizens. It's kind of like Emmanuel Sanders, where no, I own a ton of shares of him already this year. And I feel like that's another guy where we've upgraded quarterbacks significantly over the all absolute dumpster fire that they were last year in Denver. 
there's no reason to think Sanders, if healthy, can't bounce back and be that guy. All right, let's talk about some more of these rookies, too. These are some of the newer guys. we got Freeman, who looks like he's going to be the guy in Denver. Obviously, Saquon, who's around that 76 mark. Well, just uh, a quick note on oh, sure. Freeman, we got issues with um, the coach coming out saying Devontae Booker is going to be the starter. Yeah, but the starter and bulk of the carries, we all know yeah, that's I not know. necessarily I mean, the same thing. I'm hoping <laughs> I own more Royce Freeman than anyone else. Well, I, I think that, well, here's my thing is to me that that's music to my ears as a DFS player, because I would love nothing more than to have that happen and that kill some of the ownership on a guy like Freeman early on. Sure. Well, what could happen is if they, if Devonte Booker struggles, let's say for like a couple of series, and then Joseph just says, screw it, put the kid in. Mm-hmm. Uh, Freeman knows that that's his opportunity. And he's well, but look, even at 6K, if he gets, you know, if he could find his way to a touchdown and 60 yards or something, you know, like, yeah. hey, we'll take that all day. You know, that's that's the kind of idea. And now Saquon Barkley obviously had an injury too, uh, going into camp, uh, excuse me, in camp, I should say. And obviously expectations are super high for him. Do you think automatically because of that middle salary, that people are going to be on him right away because of the upside or people going to be afraid of him because of this hamstring. I don't think anyone's going to be afraid of him because of the hamstring. I think the price is, is crazy. Uh, Think about DFS salaries in terms of ADPs in redraft. And yes, um, this is matchup agnostic. So Barkley's quote unquote baseline salary if you look at his value in uh, season long should probably be closer to 8,000 or 8,500, not 7,600. So that's why I always talk about rookie running backs present the best value because they're always mispriced and you're going to get these players at a significant discount early on in the season. You could have played Leonard Fournette five, six weeks in a row last year and it was easy money. Yeah. Oh gosh. Especially in terms of the volume. Right. Mispriced. Right. So uh, I know this is priced and it took forever to catch up as we were talking. Well, and and I told you, and I told you why, and it's not going to be a situation where Saquon Barkley is going to be 7,600 one week and 9,000 the next it's going to go up incremental. Um, What's going to be interesting with Barkley is if, if they get out of the gates and they, they have a home game against Jacksonville, uh, again, this is just more game theory, not anything to do with week one strategy. But if, if Barkley struggles week one and drops to 7,200, um, even that $400 swing is going to be enough to, you know, because c- c- now he's going to be 7,200. But then moving forward, he's going to be even more of a value because people are going to be off him and he's going to be cheaper. So just something to keep in mind as far as recency bias goes and the impact of, of, a, of a matchup and a player. If the player's already mispriced and has a bad game, you may want to double down week, you know, the next week. All right, fair enough. All right, let's hit a break right here. And when we come back, we're going to talk about some of the some more guys like Mike Williams, who maybe in their second year might have opportunity to really break out uh, in terms of daily fantasy. Also, a couple coaching changes and how those new systems might impact your DFS game. And of course, a little bit more general strategy, too. You're listening to the pre-snap right here with Joe and Rath on LineStar. We'll be right back right after this. The Pre-Snap Podcast is sponsored by LineStar. Dominate DFS with the world's only patented lineup optimizer. Visit LineStarApp.com now and start your free trial. 
Welcome back, everybody, to the pre-snap. Joe Pizapia, Michael Rathburn with you here on LineStar app. Talking DFS with you. And let's talk about some of these second-year players who I know we had high expectations for. Not everybody always lives up to the hype. But in this case, I think it's time to have some serious discussions about these guys for 2018. And let's talk with Joe Mixon, who arguably was the most talented back in last year's class. Obviously ran into a brick wall with the play calling in Cincinnati and, you know, getting his feet wet in the NFL and all that stuff. But here we are, Raph. It's 2018. It's a fresh start. Is Joe Mixon going to be the volume whore that we all want him to be and be a great DFS asset to us? Or are we going to continuously be spinning our wheels here in Cincinnati, hoping Joe Mixon can be the guy and him falling short? Yeah, I tell you what, that's another guy that is very hard to evaluate um, from a season-long perspective. He's still going very high, and so there's a lot of projection there. Obviously, the town is is off the charts. He did flash some of it at the end of last year. Certainly, the door has been blown wide open for him here, although Gio Bernard is still there and produced. Uh, I'm starting to come around on Mixon a little bit more. I've been anti-Joe Mixon for the most part last year, this year. I just felt like the ADP was so inflated by Twitter and the love fest for Mixon that he's just been pushed up a round and a half, two rounds, you know, where, where he should be going. So that's always been my reservation about him. But in DFS, where I think the value is there, and with the, and with the advent of the flex position, he's certainly be a guy that you're going to want to take a chance on because the upside is huge. This is a guy that could, you know, pop off a 20, 25-point game very easily and produce your, you know, that three X or three and a half X value that you need to win a tournament. So that's really the appeal on Joe Mixon. That's why people are going to play him because, you know, he's, he's, he's a guy that can go off for a hundred, two touchdowns and catch 50 yards and, and just light it up. All right. Let's talk about Corey Davis. Another guy with superb talent, but clearly injuries basically destroyed his season. So it's a, a new start over there for him, a new offensive coordinator, with LaFleur and are you optimistic or do you think that Corey Davis is still more of a work in progress that he has to kind of earn your, uh, I guess, earn your respect or earn your trust really more so in DFS. Yeah. There's a reason why I put these guys together because I feel like they're in the same boat, different positions, but you know, the, the landscape of the communities feel the same way about both players. They feel like both players are going to be very good. Uh, Davis was a fifth pick in the draft. He was a stud in college. He's clearly the number one wide receiver in Tennessee at this point. Uh, the concern is that it doesn't look like so far in the preseason that Mariota is really taken to this offense and and had the you know the improvement that a lot of people were projecting. So the the jury is still out on Davis a little bit, but. You know, you, you, you got to play three wide receivers, especially tournaments. It's really hard to get away from a guy like that because, again, 100 yards, two touchdown upside, if not more, you know, is always going to be enticing and appealing. So that's another reason why uh, he's. More- I'm in the show me phase with Davis still. I really am. And, and, you know, it's just because there's money on the line. You know, it's yeah. one thing to take a shot on guys that you like who have upside and you can afford to wait the season for them to grow into the role. We're talking about one off one week. You got to be good right now today. And for me, I, even though Corey Davis does have that kind of big game potential you talked about, I I just can't get there until I see it until I see it work in that offense. And Mariota was a stunning disappointment last year. 
And he had a run two years ago for eight weeks where he looked like a QB one. He was playing like a QB one and putting up QB one numbers. And then the wheels all came off last year. And look, it's very well possible. He's going through the growing pains and he's going to get in there and all of a sudden, boom, week one, it starts and he's good. And that's fine. That's very possible, but I don't know. I can't quite get there. How, what do you make of the green Bay running back situation too? just overall? Cause I know Williams is there and that's another guy that kind of fits into this discussion, but Aaron Jones on suspension coming back in a couple of weeks, Williams had been a little banged up. Is this something you just want no piece of, or is there opportunity here that we're missing? I've actually been on the Jamal Williams uh, front with this because I look at the production that he did uh, a year ago. He was the most productive running back in that backfield. There's a big contention of people out there that that swear up and down Aaron Jones is the better player. And, hey, everybody's entitled to their opinion. I'm going based on pure production and who did what last year. And I know Jones got hurt, but he got hurt. And now he's suspended. So I'm going with the guy that's on the field that produced last year, uh, not Ty Montgomery, but Jamal Williams. So uh, I will have Jamal Williams. And I know he's not on the slate. Uh, for week one in terms of I believe they play uh, the uh, they Sunday night or Monday night but I know it's he's a Sunday in, night game yeah, I believe. he's not in the player pool so you know it is what it is but you know if you can sneak him into something where uh, if you you know play an alternative slate and not a small slate but let's say you play Sunday but it includes the night game or whatever you know mm-hmm. but you play Thursday with late swap and it includes you know whatever um, Jamal Williams gonna be a guy you certainly gonna want to look at because he could be under owned so. All right, let's talk about uh, coaching changes. Bears, Titans, uh, in terms of OC, uh, Seahawks have a new coordinator. Giants have a new coaching staff top to bottom. Uh, the Browns obviously bring in Todd Haley. Uh, Panthers have a new OC. Of all these changes, which one to you as a fantasy player has the most potential you see where this could be a really good investment? And I want to be ahead of the curve here on this. I think it's a tie and it's a tie between Uh, nobody likes ties wrath. That's like kissing your sister. Come on, Rath. Okay. Give me a one and a two. How's that? Okay. Uh, (laughs) Let's go. I want you to like one more. Come on. I'm going to go bears. Uh, I'm going to go bears Bears. uh, because uh, Mitch Trubisky, second year quarterback often, you know, we've seen second year quarterbacks make huge leaps and bounds uh, over the last three or four years. A uh, huge upgrade in offensive personnel, uh, change in, in, in coaching staffs. I just think that everything lines up. Um, certainly not going to go out in a stand and say he's going to be Carson Wentz, but he certainly is not going to be a 25th ranked quarterback. I think he can be in that uh, 15 to 18 range and, and certainly provide value in DFS because he will be cheap. He will be lower owned and you can stack him with a, uh, Robinson or Burton or an Anthony Miller. And, probably- and he can move a little bit too. That's right. what I mean, let's not yep. forget. Trubisky is certainly one of these guys you saw it in college. And even I always feel like, you know, I, I keep calling him like the poor at best. I think his ceiling is like a poor man's Aaron Rodgers If you really develops. And it's always because I feel like he's better throwing on the run than he is sitting in the pocket. Now that could change over time. But to me, when he's out there in space, moving around, having to make decisions and his feet are moving, he is, more in tune with things as opposed to forcing him because he's still a little green and sort of figuring out the progressions. So to me, I like him there. So who's your number two, Rath? Titans. Titans. Yeah, I look at the Titans. Uh, you know, big, big upgrade in offensive staff, offensive system, uh, adding Deion Lewis, Corey Davis, hopefully fully healthy. 
here. Uh, Taiwan Taylor getting on the field, um, still with Rashard Matthews, Delaney Walker. I think everything is there uh, for this team to have, you know, again, can't be much worse than what they were a year ago. So, uh, again, that's why it looks like there's improvement to be had. All right. Uh, for me, I like the Giants offense, too. I think a lot of people, because everything that could have possibly gone wrong last year went wrong. And I feel like everyone needs to shake that off and remember, hey, look, you know, they got a big time young running back there. You got one of the best wide receivers in football around there. You've got some depth with Shepard and Ingram. This is an offense that really do some things. And, you know, Eli might be one of those guys, too, with the right matchup. Could have some potentially big games also. So uh, that's uh, some of the coaching changes there for you. Uh, real quick. Some general strategy notes uh, that you have coming into this year that you want people to know about. Sure. So, you know, as a theory, just remember that DFS is all about that week's matchup. Okay. So it's, it's all about making a decision. You know, do you go cheap quarterback versus poor defense? Do you take the stud quarterback versus a tough defense? Uh, I would also, I think one of the things that's largely overlooked is injuries and not just injuries to skill position players, but injuries to offensive line, secondaries, defensive line, just units as a whole are going to impact how a team game plans. And so just bear in mind, if a team is missing two or three starters in a unit, how that could potentially impact that week's matchup. And again, that's not reflected in the salary and you could take advantage of it. Also, you kind of remember that the salaries during the season are generated on Sunday night. They oftentimes will not include the Sunday night game or the Monday night game. So coming into the following week, there could be huge value on any player from Sunday or Monday night, but also know there could be huge ownership because if there's an injury and then a new starter comes into play, it's going to have an impact. Um, Early on in the season, don't go so much on last year's data for points allowed by position for defenses take everything into consideration, personnel, coaching, schedule, Vegas data, and watch as much as possible. That would be my, my advice. All right, there you have it. We're going to hit one more break, and we're going to wrap things up here on the pre-snap. You're listening to Joe and Raph. We'll be right back right after this. The pre-snap podcast is sponsored by TrackWiz. The ultimate horse racing betting companion is now available in the App Store and Google Play. Download now using promo code PRESNAP23 to get your first seven days completely free without a credit card and start betting like a pro. All right, so that's going to basically wrap us up for our initial launch here of pre-snap uh if you enjoyed the show make sure you go over and subscribe to wherever you can listen to podcasts and make sure you follow the line star app on twitter and you can follow us on twitter at joe pizapia 17 and at fantasy wrath as well we've got a couple days basically until we're kicking off the season so i'll ask you wrath what are you looking for in this last week as we head into 2018 nfl You know, obviously everybody's playing season long. I play a ton of dynasty, but as far as everything, look, pay attention to the cutdowns, pay attention to depth charts, pay attention to pup list. If, if Alshon Jeffrey lands on a pup list now, all of a sudden, what does that mean? That means that Nelson Aguilar becomes the one Mike Wallace becomes the two. Does that mean that they put Dallas guarded on the field? You know, just understand that every move, has a chain reaction on what's going to take place in the, in the team's game plan. And don't just say it's one for one. It, it affects everybody. Again, someone like the Patriots, 
Who is the wide receiver two for the Patriots? How is that going to impact the week one? Those are all things that you want to be looking at. All right, there you go. And please, for the love of God, all the players we like, stay healthy. Please don't get yourself arrested. Don't get yourself in bad spots. Please, coaches, don't be playing our favorite players in these last preseason games. They mean absolutely nothing. Please, I beg you, just sit on the bench, relax, take a load off, take it easy. Take a note from the Le'Veon Bell page and from his book, because Le'Veon Bell says, I don't need practice. I'm just going to show up and be great. And that's what that's what we want. We want you to just show up in week one and we'll deal with all the injuries and nonsense as the season goes on. Again, if you enjoyed the podcast, make sure you subscribe and check out everything over on the Line Star app uh, to get yourself ready for DFS. Rath and I will be back next week with our week one preview. Michael Rathburn, I'm Joe Pizzapia. Thanks for listening to the pre-snap. It's time to set down win. Thanks for listening to the pre-snap podcast with Michael Rathburn and Joe Pizzapia on the Lion Star Podcast Network. Have a question? Need more advice? Join the conversation at LionStarApp.com and we'll see you back here next week. Good luck.